0: Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 184. In today's episode, there will not be a G update because we have had, for the first time since way last winter, finally some snow. And not just some snow, but a lot of snow, (laughs) and it's snowing right now, with wind chills to about 10 or 15 below zero, so a little dicey on outside training. Which limits my training to indoors, force fetch, obedience, woe, stuff like that. So I thought I would take this available time to uh, get going on the next podcast. So nothing to report with G. She still runs, she runs with me. Boy, is that ever a li- Anybody that has a dog with some energy or emotional issues or mental issues. If you happen to take up running <laughs> or walking very fast for an extended period of time. That's one of the biggest mental health things, well for people certainly, but for dogs as well. That's one of the things I did with G to help her settle down on the upland field and not be so wildly excited, believe it or not. And I've had it work with so many dogs, so that's a that's a whole other topic. So today I am going to address one listener question and then I am going to get going on the Being a Better Trainer program uh, that I've got that I wanted to talk about so let me find this question here <clears throat> okay here's the question you've talked and written a lot about force fetch we as I've talked and written a lot <laughs> thanks so much you're welcome one question that I now find myself asking is the transition from hold to retrieve withhold it's easy to enforce and avoid spitting with choke chain in one hand and hand in front of the bumper with the other at heel but I'm getting that reluctance to hold upon retrieving. Uh, The beginning of force fetch in the book says this can't be happening at the start of force fetch and I'm struggling how to communicate the expectation for her to hold until drop at all times including retrieving. Okay good question. Uh, Dogs do not generalize so if you train them something in one place they don't necessarily uh, apply it to all the other places that they do stuff. They don't tend to generalize so you need to be aware of that. To counter what you're having right now which is very normal first please understand that this is a very unnatural thing holding on to a plastic thing and carrying it around and not playing with it dropping it throwing it eating it whatever is just not what they do so you're asking a thing that's very unnatural keep that in your awareness because know that that's what's happening there I mean you're asking the dog to do something That, uh, you know, it just doesn't, is not in its ancestry whatsoever. Second, what you want to do is make this holding on and returning from the retrieve and all that stuff a habit thing. Now, once you force fetch, then you have some tools, you know, to enforce certain behavior. But until that time, you don't. So what you have to do is create uh, a relaxed habit on the part of your dog. So first you get the hole with the bumper in the mouth seated beside you. So that's a big deal. You should be able to have them seated. That's why mine are clipped onto something. I can walk away. I can come back. I can pick something up off the floor. I can do stuff. And they remain seated and hold that bumper. If they, As soon as you walk away, if they spit it out, you don't have a stationary hold on your dog. So you need to get that. Then you need to get the moving hold and that is you do all your basic obedience heal set here return to the, you know heel around onto my side all of that stuff and you have to get all of that with the bumper and once you get a little bit of that and you know sometimes it's easy it's just so, so some dogs just get oh sure and others it's like you're asking them you know to to read Mein Kampf I mean it's just almost impossible they just they just don't get it and so it takes a lot of patience it can be frustrating but frustration doesn't help you any so know you're going to be frustrated possibly going in and begin by you have your hand on the on the collar or on their leash and your other hand is literally on their muzzle or right beneath it and you to heal and you sit and you show them you have to do this holding the bumper And if it does get spit out, you don't want it to be a spit out, put back, spit out, put back, because then you're just teaching them that's the dynamic. So there's a consequence when they do spit it out, right? That's when you kind of pinch the lip between your finger and the canine tooth when you say the word hold and you put it back. Don't say no. Everybody loves to say no when a dog spits it out. No, there's no no in here. What they're not doing is holding the bumper. So that's what you say. Hold. Little bit of a consequence with that lip pinch thing there put it back in bump them under the chin teach them to do all of this okay teach them to heal and sit have them in front of you just a few feet tell them to heal so they come around to the side and heal position all holding the bumper then since you're only training one dog also get this dog where you can go take a walk through the neighborhood or wherever you are for 10-15 minutes and the dog just holds the bumper you know, at first, that just seems like a, a, a waste. of It's like, why would I do that? You know, they're holding. I'm good. Let's go. Let's move on. If you get a dog or you can take them for a walk around the block, whatever, and they hold on to the bumper, they are moving, they are holding the bumper, they are relaxed, and they are not thinking about anything other than where they are and what they're doing while they're holding the bumper. When you can build that kind of a habit into your dog, then when you throw a little hand thrown wrist right out uh, 20 feet in front of you. And they go get it and come back and heal and sit like they've been doing on your obedience things every single day. And so it becomes a habit. So first you start with some hand throws, like even leash length. I don't care. Just just stand right up in front of you, go get it, come back, sit, hold. If they drop it, you have a little consequence. But just teach them not through the big retrieves, but through your obedience work with some little mild short retrieves. You always just relax and hold on to the bumper. That's all you do. When you make it a habit, then it can become a habit on the retrieve. I would stop doing retrieves where the spit's going on for a little while until you get a little bit more of this hold thing going for you. So it really is that simple. It's a patience thing, and it's a stay ahead of them thing. Don't, don't say no. There's no place for no here. Just if they're not sitting, tell them to sit. If they're not holding, tell them to hold. You don't have the fetch part yet, so don't even go there. And make it a habit where when that bumper's in their mouth, they relax, they move, they heal back to you, they do all this stuff, and it's something that they just do out of habit. That usually will solve your retrieve problems really well. If not, you got to wait till you get the ear pinch, and then you got to give them that bigger consequence if they decide to spit something out. But it's easier on you and the dog if you just build that habit in there right now. Okay. Now to get on to today's thing, that was, I, that's a very, it's a good question and a very straightforward question. And as with most things, it's patience. That's the biggest answer on that one. Now I'm going to get a little bit more into the approaches to BAB being a little bit better trainer in 2022 than you are in 2021. And I'm going to, t- again, talk about some approaches. I cannot, I cannot just tell people what to do. I, I, am, I am just, I'm unable to do that. If somebody walks up and says, my dog is doing this, what should I do? I, I'm never going to have an answer for them. Um, and I would caution you to beware of anyone that does, because the reason I don't tell them what to do is because I don't have a clue why their dog is doing what it's doing, what they've done to help create this problem. So you can't possibly give a good answer if you don't really under have a good grasp of the problem and where it started. So telling people what to do, uh, does not work for me. And I'm, so what I'm going to do is at least give you some guidelines and ways to think about things so that you can noodle this out for yourself and do what seems right to you. But when we're going to be training dogs, uh, there's two things I want to say. The first one is, and many, many people will advise you to do this. And it is a great idea. If you are a note taker, a writer down of things a keeper of data and information there are no downsides to that so if you have your let's say you're just starting a new project I mean a, a new dog brand new get yourself a, a notebook of some sort and I'll tell you what get one that looks cool that you really like because then it calls to you and you want to go pick it up at the end of the day and or the end of the training session and write stuff down but get something so you can document your thoughts, your experiences, your decisions, your conclusions. That is very very useful. If you don't like that kind of stuff, at least give it a try. Just do something real numerical. You don't have to, you know, write write out a, a Tolstoy thing, but if you just if it's hard for you, just try to, you know, I'm going to write five things about today. Might be five things I didn't like, five things I did like how cool my new boots were. But if you get into the habit of forcing some awareness and forcing some thought about what you're doing, you will never regret that. It is very, very useful. So if you have a new dog, I would encourage getting a very cool new book, notebook of some sort. And if you, you know, you have a dog that's two years old, I don't care. Give it a try too if you haven't already. Get a notebook and say, all right, this year I'm going to try... To make this be a little bit more successful than I was. Even if you were real successful. You can always be more. You can always be a little bit better. So if you're that kind of person. Then it's a very good thing to do. That way you document stuff. You capture stuff. You can also use it to troubleshoot down the line. So that's what I'm going to talk about next. I just strongly recommend doing that it, you don't have to have it that other people see it you don't need nothing you can have groundy kind of handwriting gorgeous handwriting you can draw out setups you did or drills you did it's a very uh, rewarding satisfying way to undertake dog training and I, before I continue I, I, I'll say this about about dog training it is um, Now I have, I'm an engineer by education and by practice and kind of like I ran engineering R&D for the company that I I worked for when I was out of school and did a lot of high liability, costly things. And you had to, you can't make mistakes, right? And you have to do things right. You have to be accurate because you can't cost companies money and et cetera, et cetera. And so I've done that. And I've done this dog training thing all my life during that time and now professionally for a very long time. And I would say that I have to dig down harder and work harder to do this well. Because it's not just in an equation. It's not just something a computer program can tell me. You know, what okay, but stay between these two things and you're going to be fine. This is like being married or having a family or something. It, there's no written down exact thing how to do this really well. Dog training is not a simple, trivial thing to do. I don't care, you know, and I've been doing it again all my life, and every day I try to get a little bit better. It's just a big deal to do this well. I'm going to say that. And you can't go and work with somebody for a year or two and suddenly be awesomely great. You know, I don't know if anyone, any of us are ever awesomely great. Some are very close, (laughs) but but it's a very difficult thing to do. Not impossible. When I say difficult, it isn't like you have to be genius or any of that stuff. It just takes a lot of dedication and self-examination and thinking about things and a high level of awareness. It takes all of that to do well. And it would be good for people to know that. It takes a lot of that. And if you have a giant ego and you need everyone to think certain things about you, you really should go do something else. Because the dogs are going to humble you every single time. And by the way, I agree with one of my peers in this dog training world that uh, in the end, the dogs do all of the talking. So don't forget that either. What happens when your dog goes out and does their thing, whatever it is, that's what speaks. Not you talking, not a podcast, not <laughs> nothing. It's what happen, What do those dogs go do? That does all the talking on what kind of training. So that's going to be true for you too. What your dog goes and does, does the talking. So most, if not all of the, the good, wonderful things your dog does is because... One, you probably got a fairly good dog. And two, you're doing a good job. When this same dog goes out and does things that are not good with any repetition, everybody has a bad day, right? But if they're going out there and doing things that aren't good, or you got a puppy and it's jumping on everybody and it's barking and it's pulling you all over, all of that sits squarely on your shoulders. All of that. The bad habits, the, the behavior that's not good, the performances that are not good with any consistency lies squarely on your shoulders. And I would, in a, my notebook, write that down. <laughs> you know, yeah, if they do good things, that's because I have a good dog and I didn't mess it up. That's always what I say. And that's how I feel. And when they go out and do not good things, I have to find out what I did to create that. So I would strongly suggest, and if you don't agree with that, then you're probably not listening to this podcast anyway, but I would put that on the front first page or the top of my journal, in my, my documentation here, is that when they're messing stuff up, I need to take a step back and look at me. As soon as if somebody starts telling you that their dog is doing these bad things and how can I correct him and all that stuff it's like nah it's not him it's you how can we fix you so that this problem doesn't continue somewhere unless you don't believe that put that in there and approach these things and that's where keeping a notebook keeping some documentation of your process and your feelings about it and your successes and not successes can be extremely useful it's very good on a little puppy It's very good on your dog that already has all the bells and whistles, but has some issues. So in part of your notes, if it were me, I would categorize, if if you're up to this, I would have, you know, what we did today. You know, you can have the stuff you did, whether it was some drills or some basic work, or you did some upland or whatever you did, you write that down. And you write, you know, what the goal was. Because you need that every day if you're doing training. You don't just kind of go out and just bumble through it. <laughs> it's very good if you go, we went out today to de-chase in the upland field. So I had this many birds and I had this and this is what we were going to do. And then did you, how did it go? You know, what, what's your opinion of, did you make any mistakes that you don't want to make the next time? What did the dog do? Was it a success? Was it, we need to come back and do this some more? Basic obedience. When you're going to go do basic obedience, write down, I just need the dog to sit the first time I say it without me having to enforce. That's what my goal is. So I'm going to go out and do obedience work with this in mind to teach the dog that when I say something, they need to do it and I don't have to continuously enforce it. And then how am I going to do this? It's not working. What do I need to change? If you start writing those things down, it gives you a huge insight into you And into your dog and how they respond and you begin to see patterns particularly if you're new to this patterns that boy when I just use a lot more time and patience I get a lot better uh, response the next day or boy when I finally just came in there with a little more enforcement pressure the next day they were great that tells you something important about your dog's response to your training technique and what you're doing. If you just note it, you don't have to just note this happened or that happened. And the very next day, you know, well, because of yesterday, it seems like this is better. If you start to watch these things by, by just looking back at your page for yesterday or last month or last week, and you look at that stuff and you go, I have this, he's doing the same thing now. I'm not making enough progress. And what you want to do also on this notebook is to make sure that don't over detail it because then you're going to bore yourself to death and you're not going to go back and read it. But go into the detail of things because this is just for you. There's no one else. You're not going to get graded on it. Nobody's going to look and go, you write that stuff down. Are you crazy? Nobody has to see any of this, but it's where you go in and basically get into contact with yourself about what you're doing and how it's going really really useful and what uh, where I what I found is sometimes maybe three four months down the road you know I'll just go back and just look up stuff and go Jiminy I should have seen that way back then this particular response or this particular idiosyncrasy the dog has they were telling me that right there and I did not catch that and so I've learned about all of my weaknesses doing things like this what so I've learned what to pay attention to sooner uh over these years and it's been extremely useful and if you just have one dog or two dogs you're training you can really get into the detail and really the other thing is talk about the where your dog gave you effort talk about where your dog basically resisted what you were doing take note of that kind of stuff because that's what you have to respond to and then talk about the things that you did well And the things that you need to adjust and do a little bit differently. Write those things down. And maybe in just a week or two, you aren't going to paint a real big picture. But over a few months, you're going to basically see your dog and see yourself very clearly. And if you go into that, realizing that you are the teacher here, that you are responsible for what that dog is learning and doing, then you can put the responsibility right on you where it belongs make your adjustments and get a whole lot better another idea for this this book is for you to write down things that your dog is doing right now whatever it is and i'm going to use a little puppy that was here recently so the dog is on a flat collar and a leash big enough it's a big enough dog to be on full training stuff and it just pulls everywhere it goes wherever it wants to go it just pulls hard and then if it really wants to go it pulls harder it also jumps on everybody so I did my thing I always do I said so did you pick this puppy up all the time when he's little because he's so cute yes okay so you taught him this and they had never thought of that They had never thought the reason this dog is jumping and putting its feet up on everybody is because they were taught that. But as I said just a few minutes ago, everything your dog does that's not very good was taught. (laughs) It was. Now maybe if it's attacking people, no, you probably didn't teach it that and you have another problem. But I'm just talking about regular behavior things. This dog is jumping on everybody. They're never going to figure out not to do that. They were taught from the beginning of them coming to your house that the warmest, fuzziest place is when you put your feet up and then you go up and get cuddled and left on. So just because they weigh 50 pounds or 80 pounds, they still want that. So the behaviors that your dog has at whatever age they are that you don't like, write those down. Write those down. If I were those that couple, I would write down, Dog doesn't walk on a leash. It just pulls like a sled dog wherever it wants to go. So in other words, there's no connection other than the literal mechanical leash. Other than that, the dog just goes and does whatever it wants. Um, then the dog jumps on everybody. So the dog has no respect for the physical, the, the physicality of anything else. Again, they're always taught that too. They're taught to pull on the leash. They're taught all of that. So if you write down all the behaviors your dog has in this pulling on the leash, making noise if it wasn't where it wanted to be, and jumping on everybody, and I don't, I, I just saw the dog for a short period of time, so I can't be Oh, It didn't come back on a retrieve either. So... <laughs> I was like, and so, I mean, they were just living with that, too. So now the dog is learning, hey, they throw stuff out. You run out there, chase it around, and then go do stuff with it. So they were teaching this dog all of these behaviors that they don't really want. But, of course, they didn't know what to do. The first step for all of us people training dogs, whether we do it at the level I do or just because you just have a nice dog and you want to enjoy it, is to understand that we have to show dogs just like we have to show children this is how the world is and this is how you fit into it and this is what you need to do and nowhere in any of that is make noise all the time put mud and snow all over me and pull me wherever you want me. there's nowhere that that's what you want so instead of going well maybe someday you'll figure it out thereby exonerating yourself completely of responsibility take it all going i can't let this dog learn this You don't let your two-year-old toddler learn, go out and play in the street, right? You don't let them learn that (laughs) and then try and fix it. You just don't let them do that. And it's the same thing with these dogs. Don't let them do things that you don't want them to do. And this this little dog, okay, it's hard to cure jumping after you've spent four months teaching them jumping. But now you're going to have to. And you're going to have to use it not with the no and get down and the knee and the chest and all the things to counter it. You have to give them something else to do. And when they're pulling on the leash because they want to go somewhere, we have to get their mind in another place. Okay, this is not what you do on a leash. A leash does not mean we're we're running the Iditarod. It means that you are now connected to me and you can't jerk me around or pull me wherever you want. And if you start that when they're little, it's way easy. <laughs> and when you start out, when they've already learned a bunch of other stuff, it's not so much. So anybody training a dog, whether it's young, write down the this, this stuff that you would like. I would like for this dog to be this way. Now, you cannot have a three-month-old puppy that's steady on marks, all right? Or st- <laughs> you can't have that. Let's be realistic. This is a baby. So can the baby walk on a leash without pulling us all over? You betcha. Do you want to choke chain on the little baby? No don't use the harnesses. I realize I fly in the face of so many trainers, not retriever trainers so much, but regular dog trainers. Uh, A harness disperses the, the stress (laughs) between the, the dog and the person, you know, so it's not, and you're not joking them. So I guess you're being nicer. I don't know whatever it is. It's like, can the harnesses, (laughs) can that teach this young dog With his little black collar on his leash, you got to be with me. It's super easy when they're little. It's super easy. And when they get, you know, bigger, it's not as easy. So again, to get back to my notebook thing here. Whether your dog is young, little baby, say, I would like a dog that's nice on a leash. I want a dog that doesn't bark whenever it's not getting what it wants. And I want a dog that doesn't attack and jump and assault me out of love, quote unquote, don't okay don't pick up babies i'm sorry yes go down to your babies love on them on the floor oh great and get up teach them that your body is not something to be assaulted or make demands on that's i just don't understand why anyone would ever do that and i know puppies are cute like i said get down on the floor with them then but don't teach them to come up and jump on you so you have all these things i want my dog my little puppy to go out and get something and come back then put a little cord on them if they don't come back. So they go out and get it and you bring them back and praise heck out of them. You just sort of let them know you got to go out. You got to go back. Some, most of them will just do it fine. But if they've started to make a game out of it, take the game away and make sure they just go out and come back. And as you progress through further training things, there will be habits or behaviors that they have that you really like and then some that you don't. So you have to note preferably as soon as you begin to see signs of it note what you've seen and if it comes with any consistency you need to uh, figure out where this started and how you can stop it and not blame the dog but look for where this showed up and what you can do now to readjust what they think about it or what their behavior is i don't know if the subtlety of this is getting through or not i hope so but The documentation helps you stay realistic about what you think every day. If you have a really good day, then you just think you have the greatest dog in the world or you're the greatest trainer. And when you have a really bad day, it's like, this is the worst dog ever or I shouldn't be doing this. You want to take that emotional stuff out of there and just deal with reality. And so this documentation where you have to sit down and have it make some sense and have some uh, structure to it, you know, every day, what the goal was today what actually happened, things that I liked, things that I didn't like, you know, is this a consistent problem, is this a new thing, I should pay attention to this, write down the stuff that you did well, write down the stuff your dog did well, that's important, and then write the stuff where we need some more work, write out your plan for your next training session, wow, we did basic obedience today, and I, man, I felt like I was battling the whole time, So I'm going to have a go at it tomorrow, maybe with a different approach. And we're going to have this, we're going to just see if we can do this without the battle. We're going to, that doesn't mean you ever drop your standard or let them get away with stuff. But just be mindful about what you're doing with the dog. Keep it simple. Keep kind of a single goal orientation. And I'm going to say from your nine week old puppy that you're just taking on a walk and maybe throwing a sock for and beginning to teach them not to jump on you and not to bark and all that's how to be alone sometimes all the way to your dog that's already a master hunter or a hunter retriever champion and you're still doing more things all the way to that when you set up your training session have a simple objective have have an objective one of the biggest things I see when I watch people set up stuff is they're like well we got a lot of room here so let's have three marks and we you know try with your animal to have an objective you know my dog is really having a trouble with an inverted throw, or my dog is having trouble uh, busting through cover and getting out on the other side or they're not getting into the cover on marks so there's a million things Have an objective. My dog is starting a head swing, so I got to go back to straightforward singles. There's so many things, you know, where my dog's really having trouble with a blind, you know, that it has to run by scent of a bird station. All right, pick an issue. Pick a particular goal for your training session. Write that down, and then the next day, go carry that out. Don't put okay i'm going to have them running a blind behind where they smell birds i'm going to have marks thrown in the cover i'm going to have uh, real tight marks I'm, don't you can't you know kill a bunch of birds with one stone it's so much easier and then you have time to address one issue at a time very simply they're still learning a lot of other stuff while you're doing that but it's very good for you to be working on one thing and then write down how that went and maybe what you set up didn't achieve your goal at all. Then you learn something about setups. Those of you that want to be judges, this is one of the ways you do it. You find out what works and what doesn't by doing, not by sitting next to somebody who tells you stuff. That does not work. But if you are training your dog and you write down, I try you know, I was gonna do some inverted throws and eh, the dog did this and this over I don't think that's a good idea to have set it up what I did. You learn so much. You learn so much about dog training. And when you document it and you can go back, then you can hold on to the knowledge that you get out of that. And your poor dog kind of gets a break. They don't get blamed for everything all the time. They uh, they get taught all the time. And that's so much better than the corrections. That everybody everybody wants to know about corrections. And the corrections all belong on the person listening to this podcast. Not the dog that's... Over there in the candle somewhere. So, again, we haven't stepped too far into this. I think the last podcast was like, do the hard stuff, do the work, pay attention, you know, dedicate yourself to a long term learning thing. Today's was get a notebook if you can do this stuff. Get a notebook, plan out how you're going to document this, require that you have an objective and then you have observations. You have some conclusions and then some suggestions for what you want to try the next day or what other things you have to work on. But if you keep it very organized in your head, then your activities will stay very organized and you'll find your dog responds extremely well to that. So to the best of your ability, give that an approach, approach with, I don't care whether you have a two-year-old dog or you have a 10-week-old dog it can be uh, extraordinarily useful and very revealing and really help you do a lot better job and there's a lot of pleasure in looking how much work and and effort you've put into this when you can watch that all along so that's today's in the snowstorm wind blizzard uh, winter of early 2022 Um, someday i'll have a g report again when we get i can't even put a bird out they'd have to be like a snow goose Uh, that's the only thing that would work right now so I wish everybody best stay healthy everybody almost I know has COVID right now and I know everyone's going well just get it and get over with it but I just you know I wish this thing would uh, resolve itself and get better and we could all go about you know not having to be so worried about all these things so I wish you the best stay healthy stay safe hunting and G and I will be back soon